Hello, Blackhawks fans, and welcome in to Season 3, Episode 7 of the Four Feathers Podcast. This one is called Writing the Ship. I'm your host, Johnny Nani, joined alongside Ron Luce and Tony Marchese. Gentlemen, we're on a winning streak. We're going streaking here. Uh, good to be back on the microphone with you guys after about a little 10-day hiatus. Uh, good stuff going on in between here. A lot of good Hawk stuff to talk about. I'm excited to get to it with you guys. Johnny, it's always a pleasure to be on the microphone with you and Tony talking hockey. Uh, no matter what day it is, what time it is, uh, whether we are, you know, participating in the hashtag Crackham movement at Casa de Marchese or uh, here over StreamYard, Crackham. Um, it's 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 always a pleasure. And yeah, like you said, Johnny, we're going streaking. So there's a lot to be excited about right now. Ron, I, I love that you brought up the Kraken pretty much uh, right when I was cracking that beer there. Johnny, good to see you as well. Uh, I am excited to talk about winning hockey. We haven't done that like at all this year, uh, it feels like, at least not enough. And uh, we got some king shit to talk about, too, and I'm, I'm just excited to get into this with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. I am eager to talk about all that winning hockey, Tony. But before we do a little on-tap housekeeping here, Four Feathers Podcast is the Blackhawks coverage unit for ontapsportsnet.com. So make sure you're visiting there for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can give us a follow on social media at Four Feathers Pod and at ONTAP Sportsnet. Also in the ONTAP world, we are now partnered with Vivid Seats over at ONTAP Sportsnet. So anytime you go to VividSeats.com, spend an order over $100. You get $10 off when you use the code ONTAP. That's promo code ONTAP, all one word, $10 off your order. $100 or more vivid seats life happens live uh guys a little bit more reason to get out to the uc i think there absolutely johnny and we've we've gone to the uc a little bit ron i know you were out there as well uh johnny last time you were there was last friday uh, and uh you got to see a win there uh i got to see a win with you as well johnny ron you got to see a win we've we've seen pretty much more wins than losses this year i think guys uh as a crew I'm not sure, Johnny, how many uh, how many of those losses you took in earlier on, but uh, pretty good four feathers record so far this year at the UC, guys. Uh, I think that 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 is, you know, cheers. That's something that we should be proud of so far this year. We've done some good work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was great to be at the Penguins game, and I know that's going to be the first one we get to talk about here. Uh, getting to be in the building for that one was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, guys, I mean – we we tend to have a pretty good record, though, even historically, even in the bad years, even when this team is piss poor and in the cellar of the standings. Uh, I feel like anytime Four Feathers shows up to the UC, uh, we're we're at least guaranteed for a good game uh, and maybe a W. And, and we've been on more sides of W's than we have of L's, I think, of recent uh, of recent memory, if I recall. Yeah, absolutely, guys. I think the record is pretty good. Uh, it's trending up for me. I saw a couple losses to start the year, the Vancouver game uh, and the Toronto game. There's a heartbreaker in overtime. But since then, actually, I did take in a loss against the Canes. But since then, Nashville win, went over the Coyotes. So uh, been good there. Let's, let's get to some of these games. Ron, as you mentioned, uh, first uh, in the previous games, ever since we last talked here on Four Feathers, 3-2 uh, shootout win over Pittsburgh on Tuesday the 9th, uh, on Friday the 12th, the one that you mentioned I was at, Tony, 2-1 win over the Arizona Coyotes, and then just this past Wednesday, uh, just yesterday, 4-2 win over the Seattle Kraken, first meeting between those two teams uh, in the Kraken's history there. So, um, you know, a little bit of historical stuff here, Blackhawks writing the ship, obviously the title of this episode, and some King shit going on. I think that's where we need to start off here. Derek King, 4-0-0 as Blackhawks head coach. You know, we were impressed uh, as kind of like the weight lifted off last time uh, when we talked here, but 
Tony, this is kind of your uh, right up your alley here. What, what kind of king shit have you been enjoying over the last week plus? I've I've just been enjoying everything about it, guys. I think that there's there's been so much just positivity and 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 good vibes and just some togetherness. I think the team's kind of gelled a little bit over Derek King uh, coming into that locker room, and just it's a total total different um, approach that you've seen uh, from just management in general, the coaching staff, uh, it, it's looser. It seems like guys are having a little bit more fun, especially in the press conferences. I know Derek King's been just like a joy to watch in all of these pressers. I think that that's awesome. He, he kind of communicates in a totally different style than Jeremy Carlton did. Um, you know, I'm just, he's really hard not to root for. He is really hard not to root for. And the results have been there too. I mean, I'm waiting for the first loss to see how he can get a team to respond again after that. I think that's going to be important, but overall there's really not much that you can complain about right now from the coaching staff of the Hawks for the first time in what feels like forever. So I'm, I'm just, I'm ecstatic with this King shit, man. Hey, and Tony, and, and kind of to add to your point about him just being this likable guy and relatable guy, he almost feels like a perfect Chicago guy, no? Kind of that lunch pail. Even when he was a player, I think we, you guys were looking at the stats. He oh, had the, the mullet. mullet. The mullet. Yeah. Foremost, like I mean, he's he's a Chicago guy, it feels like, at heart, even though he didn't even know it. Like, he, he is really just a perfect fit right now. And yeah. it, it feels really nice to have that. Yeah, guys, cool and tough a little yeah. bit there. Some cool and tough attitudes and, and some just, you know, Hockey player. I mean, I I love the tweet that we had out from Four Feathers with Jeremy Carlton's rookie card and the upgrade to Derek King, the back of yes. his card. That's where the mullet is. If you want to find that, go to four at Four yeah, Feathers it, Pod on and, Twitter. And if you wonder about some of the origins of our shtick, some some of them go way back. So we'd have to go and dig up some of those actual like first tweets or first mentions here on the podcast of it. But that is the origin of it. Tony and I texting late night one night, uh, finally excited that Jeremy Collin was gone. And uh, we were talking about the rookie cards and he had sent those my way. So put out that tweet from Four Feathers. So that is the origin of King shit. And obviously that relates to all the good that Derek King has been doing so far. So I, I agree with you, Tony. I'm interested to see how uh, they will handle a loss, maybe some adversity, maybe some stretches of uh looking like it was the old Kaladin stuff um because that's They're probably enough going undefeated it's, the rest of the fucking year boys let's, that, let's be real king shit all the way yeah <laughs> all the way i i, I really uh, wish that would be the case but we know that uh it's going to be uh up and downs will be interesting to see how they handle. I would imagine they'll handle adversity better under Derek King than Jeremy Collin, though. I don't think that's too bold of an assumption uh, to make here on the show right now as we talk on November 18th. But a couple observations I've had from Derek King here. Um, it's not always pretty, but the boys are finally playing with heart. So the, the effort on the ice is reflective of the mentoring that they're getting on the bench or maybe just the hands offness on the bench of, you know, we're going to let these guys play. That's part of the thing that they talked about. Obviously, didn't have a lot of time to prepare for his first couple contests uh, coaching uh, behind the NHL bench there. Uh, but you see it through a couple games now. They, they, even if it's not always pretty, they're at least playing with heart, and they're fighting literally and figuratively for each other. So I like that. And my other point is that he's not afraid to ask for help. Jeremy Collin was so goddamn stubborn. It was his way or the highway. Uh, well, guess what? He took the highway. Now Derek King's in here. And he's using the resources around him. Uh, that's evident in Mark Crawford being uh, promoted to associate coach. Uh, Tony, I know we had a little bit of conversation internally about yes. terminology behind that means. But either way, from the beginning, uh, he had said that he was going to lean on Crawford a lot. The lines early on were a collaboration between him and Mark Crawford. They split up defense pairs and forwards. They 
are working together. And now you're getting even more reinforcements rebuilding this coaching staff because obviously two assistants let go in Mattel and uh, Sheldon Brookbank earlier. Now they're bringing in Rob Cookson, who is essentially a Mark Crawford disciple or a right-hand man. I like to call it. Uh, they have plenty of experience coaching together, both overseas and at the NHL level. So uh, he's not afraid to ask for help. And that assistant coaching help will be on the way Saturday night when they go to Edmonton. So those are my kind of thoughts there. And then just, dude, it looks like Walter White. I love Breaking Bad. Definitely looks like Walter White. They'd had a lookalike thing. You know, they do the lookalikes at the UC. They saved the last one for him. They show Walter White and him on the bench during a break, I believe, in the first or second period. Nice. Whole, whole, whole crowd just started erupting in laughter. It was great. That's fantastic. Well, the memes for that have been flying all over the place, too. And uh, I'm pretty sure he actually commented on that, like uh, in one of the pressers uh, that his kids were showing him the, uh, the the memes that are out there online and all the, the look like stuff. And he's like, I just want to talk to your mom. Like, it, that's just it, I mean, that's you know, come home from the long day at the office. All he wants to do is talk to his wife and his kids are making fun. I, just, I, mean, I can't even imagine how much fun that household is having right now. Yeah, it's got to be a good time to be in the King household, and uh, rightfully so. Four zero and zero in your first NHL gig as an interim, coming into a team that we all thought was supposed to be talented, and it seems like they are because they're finally playing loose. They're finally playing like themselves. Mark Andre Fleury looks like a completely different goaltender under Derek King. Uh, whether that be, and I want to, I want to comment on that because didn't we say we have a flower power show... section coming up? But yes, go no, ahead. I want to comment on, on on something that was said in one of the last shows here. You know, if it wasn't, it was definitely talked about, Johnny, between you and I, when I said, do you think that Marc-Andre Fleury wanted to come here and play for Jeremy Carlton? Like when Jeremy Carlton's pulling his ass, like it, it just, it felt yeah. cringe. And we, now you see Marc-Andre Fleury, like we'll get into how good he has been since that change. But man, like there's, there's another thing that just points to this could be a different finish to the season than what we were kind of expecting under Jeremy Carlton. Right. We'll save the nitty gritty on Mark Andre Fleury uh, for a little bit when we get into a little more stats and numbers in our flower power segment coming up. But uh, I agree, Tony, I think the, the kind of overarching point and maybe the exclamation point of that whole argument was that Mark Andre Fleury is older than Jeremy Colladin. So I just don't fly. I'm sorry. Yeah, that that shit won't stick um, in any situation. Again, it, it's hard sometimes I mean, you've seen it time and time again when like a younger, even in other sports, a younger coach or a younger manager or somebody comes in. It, it takes a lot of time and, and truly a lot of really trust to kind of earn that respect with those older players. And, you know, like you said, especially a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury, who let's let's not forget when he was traded to the Blackhawks, contemplated just calling it a career instead of coming to Chicago. So, uh, you know, clearly maybe that was something into the back of his mind and it weighed on him in his play. And, yeah, we'll, we'll dive into that those stats here in a little bit. But uh, interesting point, Tony. I'm glad you brought it up. Right. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, more on Flower to come, but I agree in how that relates to coaching staff there. So that wraps up King Shit segment here. Let's move on to superstar Alex Dabrinkit. And I say superstar Alex Dabrinkit. You might be thinking, why? Uh, well, guess who called him that? That was Patrick Kane. His quote, he's a special, special hockey player, a superstar in the making. He's already a superstar. Patrick Kane on Alex Dabrinkit. So, obviously coming off uh, a very highlight-worthy game for Alex Dabrinkit. Gordie Howe, cat trick uh, for the cat on Wednesday night at Seattle. Uh, the All-American connection on the assist. He fed Seth Jones on the doorstep. Get the apple out of the way. Um, he sprung, uh, let's see, a lead pass from Doc sprung his goal. Uh, worked in on Jamie Alexiak and sniped top shelf uh, for the Blackhawks goal early in that second period there. Uh, and then he also uh, dismantled Yanni Gord in a fight later on, sticking up for Patrick Kane here, guys. Uh, 
obviously a lot of highlights from that. Uh, would you like from the cat? I mean, there's basically uh, be easier to ask what didn't you like, and the answer would probably be nothing. But specifically, uh, let's talk about Cat's game on Wednesday night here. Yeah, on Wednesday night, I mean, Cat was fantastic. Obviously, that pass is, is something that you need an elite level of vision on the ice in order to complete. I mean, it was really tic-tac-toe from Kane to, to Cat, and then with Jones on the doorstep, like you said, Johnny. You know, and then you, you look at his goal as well. Uh, the guy has a lot of speed. Like, I think a lot of people, his skating, I remember, was, was very much criticized when he came out uh, in the draft a handful of years ago. And sure, maybe he's not the most fleet of foot. He's not a Connor McDavid in terms of speed, but let's be honest, nobody is. But he still has a good set of wheels, and the dude knows how to get open. That's just what he does. That's why he's such an elite goal scorer. You saw it on that perfect snipe of, of Philip Grubauer. Could who, you purr a little bit more on that perfect, Ron? A little perfect. <laughs> from the cat uh <laughs> but it's it's true it was it was a, it was a perfect shot perfect shot over you know a really good goaltender in philip grubauer like let's not forget i think people kind of forget some of the players that are out in seattle grubauer was was the vesna winner or no he was in the vesna conversation last year obviously mark andre Fleury was the vesna winner but he i think he was second or third in that voting so not a slouch by any means and then the best part about cat fighting is because Yanni Gord first hits him, then goes start shit with Kane, and then Jones kind of gives him a little bit of a rock, and you're like, oh, is Jones going to go? And then Cat just comes up flying out of nowhere, and he goes, no, fuck you, and starts throwing the gloves, and then, and then beat his ass on top of it. Um, yeah, Gordy Howe cat trick. That was that was a splendid moment that, honestly, guys, I'm going to look back in May when the season is officially over, and that's going to be something I still remember because it's true. I, I, I'm I happy that Patrick Kane has said that. This this kid was third in the NHL last season in goals behind only the two up in Edmonton, or pardon me, only behind McDavid and uh, Matthews. He had more than Dreisaitl, if I remember correctly. Like, this dude's a superstar, and I'm glad that people are truly starting to use that word when they mention Alex DeBrinkin. Is he the best goal scorer on the Blackhawks? Right, meow. That's my question for you guys. <laughs> I was thinking of a cat pun to respond with. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I was not ready. Uh, yeah, na- naturally, yeah. The quick release, man, is something. Um, Patrick King can get his, but I think he is. He's got know, cat-like reflexes, Johnny. Yes. Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he really does. He's very, very quick, just like the cat where you never know where he is in your house. And you're, you know, it's like, oh, how'd he go? I just saw him like two seconds ago. That's a quick the shot. The releases for cat. And he talked about that in the post game on TNT last night. Said, you know, what do you work on the offseason? He says just quick releases. Like, that's what's really, really tough for goalies. So he understands that. And uh, I think he really studies the science of that. Whereas Patrick Kane, it's just getting on a bike for him every year. He shows up to training camp and it's like, okay, I know how to fucking do this. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd go out of limb and say that. I mean, you can make the argument for Patrick Kane, obviously, and he can go and pick corners too, like you saw him do uh, on the Blackhawks' third goal of the game on Wednesday night at Seattle. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'll bite. I'll bite on the mouse there, Tony. <laughs> this is this has been an incredible segment. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, the most impressive part about his game right now is just obviously the finish. Uh, that's number one. And, and the fact that he handles, you know, the dirty work, too. I mean, that's that's just something that I didn't expect out of Alex to break it. I know you, you talk about somebody who came in the league and, and everybody wanted to talk about size. I mean, Johnny, you know, and Ron, you know now, like Nick Madrigal might not be the greatest second baseman in the world, but you know, it, it, in hockey size, it does matter a little bit when it comes to physicality and, and just getting moved around down in uh, 
in the dirty areas and everything. He's been able to handle himself fairly well down there. Like Johnny said, you talk about, you know, the, the cat, nobody knows where he's at. I mean, I think that that's kind of like a perfect reference almost because he can just get around down there. He's not afraid. You, you see him take a scrap uh, from time to time. And, you know, I think that that just speaks volumes. He's got hockey player written all over him. He's proven that the size doesn't matter and he's just going to be effective out there on the ice every time he's out there. And right now I do think he might be, uh, you know, in short order passing Patrick Kane as the best player on the Blackhawks here over the next few years. Yeah. And, and in addition, Tony, just to add to your point, you mentioned him going into the dirty areas. We, we've started seeing a lot more of that from him in these last, you know, kind of season and change uh, from him. We've also seen him start killing penalties. And, I, you know, maybe that's something that's going to become a thing of the past now that Colleton's gone. But even when he was on the PK, he was effective because he's an effort player. And I think he actually was on the PK a little bit against Pittsburgh uh, when I was there, if I recall. You know, he, he's not – he's one of those players, too. Some stars sometimes get that rap where they don't want to do the dirty stuff, right? They don't want to kill penalties or they don't want to go into the corner. They want to sit in the slot and wait for, you know, that perfect pass to snipe home. Cat does not give a flying hell what you ask him to do. He's going to go do it. He's really turning into a two-way player. And I think that's only going to elevate his offensive numbers because now not only was he the the sneaky cat, you know, sneaking up on you in the open parts of the zone for the snipe. Now he's the guy that's going to go into the corners, tussle with you. He might throw a claw or two at you uh, and really get you going, you know, just as a complete hockey player. And it's it's been a beautiful growth for Alex to bring it so far over these last, you know, season and a half or so. Right. You guys explained a lot about that. I'll go through my list. You guys know I love my list here. Here, Here's what I had written down for the cat leading into this segment. Key contributor on the top offensive line. Obviously, they've gone to him, uh, Kane and Doc up there. And obviously, they are the offensive line getting the most done right now. Uh, Kane and Cat being the main, uh, you know, kind of producers there in terms of points overall. Uh, he's got the quick release that makes for elite shooting ability. Uh, we talked about that earlier. He's a pesky four checker. Uh, that's, what, that's what I like about him. He's quick enough to get down into those areas and then uh, you can lift stick you can go and take it away you don't see him don't hear him coming like the cat uh very fitting uh, for his nickname there uh he plays on the pk like you just mentioned there ron i think it's a little bit better served for him uh near the end of it and you maybe you catch guys that are tired out there that have been out there on extended shift for a power play so i think i have been seeing that a little bit uh maybe him and doc uh getting that look at the end of the pk after you know your carpenters and jujar Kara and jonathan taves have cycled through a couple of times on the first one depending on how many clears you can get uh up front um and then the other one stands up for his teammates despite his size here's the quote uh from alex Debrink on his fight with Yanni Gord last night. I uh, said, why'd you you know, feel the need to fight him? I think it was Ben Pope that asked this. And he says, he, meaning Gord, punched me in the head behind the net and then went after Kaner and cross-checked him. You go after our best player, we can't let that happen. I don't really like the fight, but I will when I need to. Guys, you know I love me some Trailer Park Boys. All that did, that immediately made me think of the Bubbles one. You fucking want one? Brings a uppercut all the way over his head so i made that little meme with the cat emoji <laughs> over him that was to bring it on that i love it those, those are my list points there anything else on superstar alex to bring it before we move on to flower power uh the only thing i would like to hear you say johnny is superstar again because i think we really need to start hammering that home and there's a very good chance that by the end of this season uh you know with a full 82 and 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 the growth that cat has undergone um, you know, he's no longer a kitten in the league, boys. He's a full-blown cat now, uh, and we're, I think we're going to see it. Superstar is truly the the title that he deserves, um, you know, as a player just in the NHL. And maybe, maybe, maybe looking way ahead, we were talking about this just a tad uh, because of the All-American connection on the Jones goal. 
Uh, maybe we see that again in the Olympics in February. I don't have much else here. Uh, I, I think that you guys kind of hit on a lot of good things there over the last uh, uh, two little minutes here that you guys are talking. Uh, I'm just, I'm excited to continue to watch him play. I'm really glad that he's part of this team um, and, and just the growth that we've seen from Alex to We've been, you know, waiting to see who's going to be that next star of this team. I think that that question has been answered at this juncture. Uh, one last note here is Ron Alex to bring it topics. Um, uh, kind of an external thing, but this just goes to show you about how not saying I was right all along, but uh, a couple years ago, uh, one of my really good friends from high school and college went uh, there with him, both those places. And then uh, his fiance a couple years ago asked me, uh, she knows that we're really big uh, hockey Blackhawks fans. She and she's not too, you know, in tune with what's going on day to day of the team. But she asked, which jersey should I get him? I want to give him a jersey for his birthday. And I recommend it was between a few of them. And I think Doc was in there in that mix. And there were a couple others. Obviously, Patrick Kane's always a choice. But uh, I'd said to bring it. That's your one that you want to go with. He's going to be the next like up and comer here. Uh, I didn't use the word superstar. I wish I would have at the time. But hey, now we're at that point where we can do it. So that does it for superstar. Alex to break it segment here. Let's move on to flower power, boys. Uh, rough start for the flower to start the season. I think we all know that. We talked a little bit about what may have been plaguing that. Uh, Jeremy Collin, I think that had an effect on the whole team to start. Uh, but either way, that led to speculation of retirement by fans. Oh, flower's just going to hang it up. Yada, yada. Uh, well, guess what? He's turned around three straight wins, 95 saves on 100 shots good for a 950 save percentage uh stood tall in the shootout versus pittsburgh on that tuesday night game last week uh stopped both attempts uh think about it we had a goalie that came in and they still love robin leonard uh, as a player but he was brutal in the shootout so everyone remembers that that's the strength that flower has there he showed that in the uh opportunity that he had there uh he's getting locked in mentally and physically he talked about uh the atmosphere at seattle says he likes i like getting booed people give me the finger sometimes i love it uh, on playing on the high intensity atmosphere in Seattle. So feels like flowers more locked in here. It's showing up in the play and it's showing up in the confidence that he speaks with uh, after games. So uh, thoughts on flower power. Yeah. Mark Andre Fleury looks like the, the Vezina winning goaltender that he was a year ago, Johnny and Tony. And it, it's nice. It's refreshing. It's nice to see good goal goalie play. I think, uh, you know, Blackhawks fans have been a little starved since Corey Crawford has now retired from the NHL. Um, obviously Leonard was traded before Crawford hung up the skates. So, you know, that ended prematurely, even though he became a fan favorite very quickly, uh, you know, but it, it's refreshing. You know, I think Kevin Lankin still has every opportunity to be a good goaltender in this league. I don't, I don't think that's something I, I can take away from him or, or I'm going to change my stance on, but when you have a future hall of famer, like on your team, like I, I still remember the first day that they posted the, the flurry Jersey and seeing Number 29, Mark Andre Fleury in a Blackhawks uniform. Like, that was something that back in his days in Pittsburgh, I would jokingly tell friends of mine, like, oh, that's a dude I'd love to see in a Hawks uniform one day. Well, we get to see it now. And now he's playing like Mark Andre Fleury in these last handful of games. A 950 save percentage? Are you fucking kidding me? That's imp so impressive beyond so many levels. And honestly, while we're on the topic, you mentioned him getting booed in Seattle and him feeding off of that. I honestly think that the game against Seattle was Marc-Andre Fleury's best game in a Blackhawks uniform. He really kept them in that game, especially in that second period when Seattle just beat the Hawks up. What was it, 15-3 to in shots on goal in that period for Seattle or something very similar? I mean, the fact that he stood tall, made a lot of high-quality saves. They talked about it on the intermission show, um, you know, with Liam and, and, and Biz and all those guys, Anson Carter. Uh, you know, they said they were like, 
yeah, Marc-Andre Fleury might be the reason the Hawks are in this game right now. And I, I fully agree with that because he was absolutely sensational. And it just feels like he's getting better as the season wears on too. Uh, and that's something definitely to keep an eye on. But yeah, flower power, I'm all for it. Uh, and I'm going to uh, probably have to uh, put some flower power into some extra articles to pay for the uh, Marc-Andre jersey. I'm about to buy here in the uh, in the coming weeks. So I like hearing that, Ron. I like hearing that. I I, I figured you guys would have been, one of you was going to pick up a, a Flurry jersey uh, at some point, uh, and that my money was on Ron for that before Johnny, because uh, I know Johnny likes the obscure jerseys. So that's why I knew I was going to take Ron in that in that little poll there. But you know, I think overall, Ron, there's really not much I could follow up with uh, in terms of what to say about a future Hall of Famer here. Um, the only thing I really have on this is he's a guy that's going to steal some games for you uh, down the stretch and over these next few months, especially when you're seeing him like this. You can argue, like you said, Ron, that Friday Seattle, that's exactly what uh, what you're getting out of that. Um, I, I'm just excited because I think that, like you said, Kevin Lankinen still has a really good shot to be a, a good goaltender in this league. The fact that he's here and learning from Marc-Andre Fleury right now, I think is going to go a long way for Kevin Lankinen. Um, there's not many opportunities to pick the brain of somebody that closely or watch them work and practice with them over and over again. Um, I, I think that this, this, this period that they have Mark Andre Fleury is going to just help him so much. And it's awesome to see um, that he has the opportunity to do that. And uh, you're talking about another guy who was in the same organization with Corey Crawford at one point in time too. Um, and has a high pedigree and a kid that uh, has, has taken, what was that in the uh, junior world championships, January IHF, um, uh, like, and uh, he didn't win it. Did he, or did he come close? Yeah. It was like nine, a nine one. Four, I thought it was even it was better nine, than that. Was it? Yeah. I thought it was like a 940 save percentage and like a 167 goals against. Yeah, and that just, was the year that Russia had like OV and all those guys. Yeah, on that yeah. I mean, you're talking winners teaching winners here. Um, so that's that's kind of something that I'm I'm gonna look at down the stretch here as we see, you know, Kevin Lincoln in a little bit. But I think that we're gonna see more Mark Andre Fleury than what we had uh when Jeremy Colleton was the coach. He started he started to go to Lincoln in a little bit more than than Fleury there. So I, man, there's not much you could follow up with what Ron said, but hey, yeah, the, I, the Hawks have a playoff caliber goaltender for I, sure. I, I like how this thing's progressing, guys. Obviously, you know, the, the rough start, everyone had to flush that, but hey, we're riding the ship here. That's the title of this episode. That's what the Hawks have been doing on the ice. That's why we're talking about it here. Uh, they're giving us positive things to talk about, which is excellent. But in terms of goalie specific here, I like the trajectory because you know me, I, I'm a plan aheader. I like to look ahead. Uh, right now, it's been nice. Blackhawks have had some days off in between these games. You can give Flurry these games. Yeah, they're technically back-to-back in terms of when you played last, but nowhere near back-to-back. Even you're getting fucking three days off in between some of these. Well, guess what? Go and flip that calendar forward ahead to December. It's pretty much every other day. They're pretty much playing every single other day. So you're going to need to get Lankanen hot there. So at least having the one hot stable right now, you're probably going to get Lankanen a few starts here at the end of November uh, to gear him up for that. And hopefully that just kind of is contagious. We talk about uh, in baseball, Tony, on socks on tap, hitting being contagious. I legitimately believe, you know, obviously the goaltender has to be locked in. You can just have a bad night. But you see your net mate being you know, outstanding in front of you, you want to play up to that level. So you get your starts too. You don't want to be the odd man out uh, come crunch time when the team really needs you. Uh, so I think this will only elevate Kevin Lankinen's play when he gets back in the mix here a little bit more regularly. So those are my final thoughts to wrap up flower power here. Anything else before we move on from the good goalie? Just quickly, like you said, with goalies playing, you know, better when one's playing, think back to 2013 Hawks cup with Ray Emery and Corey Crawford. That was the exact same way. 
I like. I like. Yep. I don't have anything to follow up on that, Johnny. Uh, let's let's keep it rolling. Let's roll into listener questions. Thank you to everybody who responded to our tweet earlier. We said uh, around noontime that we were going to be recording tonight. Uh, drop questions that you had, and uh, we we had plenty come through. So uh, we'll read off who they're from and then get into some of these answers here. We're going to kind of split them up by panelists. Uh, we'll all drop a little bit of commentary in on these, but we can move through these uh, so you listeners can get your questions answered here by the four feathers crew first one comes from loyal listener jordan pierce jrd pierce 2 on twitter says why isn't godet getting the chances he deserves and why is kershev given so much shouldn't godet be slotted into the top six at least before kara why not give him a consistent role and see what he can actually do jordan excellent question there i'm right there with you man um it, it is a little bit baffling when you look at a guy that has some skill being uh in the press box every night whereas dujar kara gets to skate with the second line quote unquote i'm doing air fingers here for podcast listeners if you're not on this live stream here with us um yeah it, it is a little bit baffling the hawks went with 7d 11 forwards last night because hardman couldn't play they got granted it was getting caleb jones in the mix but you would imagine they would have scratched gustafson they're going to do that and let gaudette be uh forward up front in place of hardman but that wasn't the case uh Derek King's explanation for this. Once again, this isn't my explanation, Jordan. Uh, this is just from Derek King. Caleb Jones is ready to go, but we didn't want to say, here you go, your first game in Edmonton and throw him into the fire to the Wolves or whatever. We thought we could take that route and ease him in uh, by playing the seven defensemen there. So that's Derek King's explanation. Um, digging further into this, Adam Gaudet's been scratched under both Jeremy Collin and Derek King now multiple times. So um, it seems they don't trust him as much. That is my just... From an outsider looking in, that's the immediate takeaway that I have when it comes to Adam Gaudet. They just don't trust him as much as a guy like Philip Kershev. You asked why he's getting the minutes over uh, a Gaudet. And maybe there's something we're not privy to in the locker room. Remember he had that stomach issue that he dealt with uh, with Vancouver, and then he came over, it looked to be uh, resolved, and I know it seemed like he had a normal offseason and all that, but um, maybe there's something going on behind the scenes with Adam Gaudet where he's not fully 100% ready, but I agree. Uh, it is a little bit baffling when you look at a goal like that backhand ripper he had out in front of the net at Carolina a couple of weeks ago, and you're like, man, you could really use that skill instead of Jujar Kara uh, recording a five-hit game that, you know, they're just kind of little crunches way after the puck's been released uh, from his man. So um, I agree. It's a little bit baffling, but I think there's a little bit of a trust factor with Adam Gaudet and they like Philip Kershev's ability to play the center ice position better. Uh, not that he's a stalwart at it, but I think he's more trustworthy there. And you also have an option. You can move Kershev out to the wing. I think Gaudet, they look at him more as primarily a winger and it would be a liability uh, if you needed to use him at a center spot. So that's my explanation. Any thoughts, Gaudet, before we move on to the next question here? Yeah, just quickly. I also feel like maybe he, maybe the lack of trust is there because it felt like he was truly like one of like Stan Bo's projects, right? He had the affiliation with playing with Dylan Sakura, who was supposed to be the savior and the trade deadline acquisition. I think we all remember that, um, you know, back at Northeastern when he won the Hobie Baker Award. And, you know, seeing the type of player he could be, I think they were willing to take a chance on him. But I agree. I mean, again, you have to find out what you have. Uh, and why not play him right now, uh, especially with all the injuries that have happened up front at the forward spot? I know we'll touch on that a little bit, so I don't want to dive into that too much. But uh, agree, I think he needs to get a shot. But part of me thinks that maybe this was truly like pushed and shoved down the coaching staff's throats via the uh, the old front office. And maybe now they're just like, hey, we're going to play the guys that we trust and we're just going to keep it moving. All right. Uh, good 
talk on Gaudet there. I hope that uh, at least shed some more uh, discussion uh, on that, uh, Jordan. Thanks for the question. Next one's coming right back uh, from Jordan here. It says, even after four straight wins, why does it feel like the same problems are still happening? They're still getting consistently outplayed for at least one, if not two periods, but managing a win. Is this all flurry, or is this an example of good teams finding a way to win regardless? Tony, this one's yours. You have the floor. Yeah, I did some thinking about this one after this question came in. Um, you know, I think that while there's still some elements of this team that are not great, uh, those elements were there before, and they'll continue to be there throughout the season. Um, you know, we've we've seen the same story in, in some of these years with this Blackhawks team, whether it's a bad a PK or just unable to score on a power play. And there's certain themes that teams carry. Um, I, I don't think that it's all Marc-Andre Fleury, but a lot of it is. Uh, number one, we just talked about that, how, how he can steal games, how he has just played absolutely out of his mind, and good goaltending can win hockey games. Uh, I think some of that's Alex DeBrinkett being an absolute superstar. I think some of that is Derek King uh, and, and the, the system and the approach stuff that we've talked about uh, a lot on here. So I, I think there's just a combination of some good, positive changes that have all kind of culminated at once. Uh, and I'm not saying it's just those three things. There's, there's some other positives that you can take away from this, but some of that negative stuff's still there. The, the key difference to me is that you're winning hockey games. And at the end of the season, that's all that really matters. Um, yes, you want to see some of this stuff improve. Maybe they'll clean some of it up. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll go on a six-game losing streak, and we'll be back talking about losses. Not sure. I'm just enjoying the ride right now because there are so many things working in the right direction when there were so many things working in the wrong direction. And I feel like since we hit rock, rock bottom uh, just a couple of weeks ago as Hawks fans, there was only one way to go, and that's up right now. And so while I don't want to sit here and sugarcoat some of these these issues that are being brought up. It's just a lot more fun to think about something good right now, at least for me as a Hawks fan, it, it's so much more fun to talk about winning than losing. I like victory beers. I like, uh, you know, talking about winning hockey. I like seeing Alex Brickett score goals and beat the shit out of people. I like uh, watching Mark Andre Fleury uh, carry a hockey game. Those are all good things that are happening right now. Hopefully they, they continue to stay in that direction. And, uh, you know, I, I just I can't sit here and say that some of the bad is 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 not warranted or, or isn't something that uh, is. How do I want to put this? I, I think that some of those things that, that were were nagging the Blackhawks were just exposed a lot more given the certain circumstances early on in the season, whether that be a cloud over the locker room, whether that be Stan Bowman's presence, whether that be Jeremy Colleton's system. A lot of those things were just more exposed than they are right now. And the Hawks are playing good hockey. Keep riding the momentum. That's what I've got on this one. I don't know if anybody else has something to chime in on. Yeah, I just wanted to chime in a quick little note. Saw it on Twitter from a friend of the program, Mr. Tab Bamford, earlier. Uh, in the Derek King era, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks have yet to trail in a game. Uh, so I think that's certainly worth noting. And I think that just further adds, Tony, uh, to your point there at the end, where it really it felt like – Typical things that will nag a hockey team in a game uh, are just were drawn more to the light uh, under Colleton based on the situation at hand. You know, now you're really starting to see, hey, you know, they can still play better. And again, haven't trailed in a game since. So uh, certainly worth noting there. 
Yeah, um, you know, I think Jordan had mentioned some of the uh, kind of metrics behind that, but uh, they're letting up less rust chances. So sure, it sucks. It looks like terrible. Looks like you're on eternal PK when you're hemmed in your zone. Uh, but at the same time, uh, they are not letting up as many odd man rushes uh, completely going the other way. I feel like that's a big factor in this. Well, that's um, another one too, Johnny. If we if we talk about that, didn't Derek King talk a little bit about neutral zone play and limiting yeah, trapping chances? Trapping a little better. Tra- yeah. yeah, trapping a little bit better. That's a different style than what you've kind of seen from the Hawks over the past couple of years. It's a little bit yeah. different style. And I think it was Nashville that played the just absolutely slowest hockey trap game. Was it, was it Nashville or who did we talk about last year? I want to say it was Nashville. Yeah. Nash- um, the Nashville trap, the Nashville trap. I'm not saying that the Hawks are going to go full Nashville trap. And I don't know if I want to sit through a bunch of hockey games with the Nashville trap, but Hey, I mean, it, it's a, it's somewhat effective yeah. uh, and if it's limiting chances they're, they're making it a point to address the neutral zone better and then i think they're doing a better job of uh protecting the house with when they're in their own zone so sure like i said it sucks to get hemmed in your zone you feel like it's eternal penalty kill and that's what patrick kane uh, touched on in a quote too in the post game uh, a couple other factors just for this really quick before we move on to the next question uh defensemen are simply just coughing the puck up uh too frequently um i think that is leading to fewer zone breakouts than they should have uh and then other than that it's reasonable to expect a little bit of disorganization as especially as new coaches are still filtering in here. So there isn't as much stability behind the bench. Not that the stability before was a good thing for them uh, based on who was there actually. But at the same time, anytime there's change, there's bound to be a little bit of disorganization there. Um, And beyond that, um, they're just not used to it. They trailed so much earlier in the season. So even Patrick Kane commented on it last night. He said, we've got to figure out a way to play a little better with the lead. Just seems like a lot of chasing the puck, get out of the zone. Next line comes on, does the same thing, rinse, repeat, yada, yada. They're not used to it. They trailed so many games. They had to keep pressing, uh, trying to get back into them. So uh, maybe now getting on this little streak here, a four-game winning streak uh, will help uh, rectify some of those issues. But uh, good question there once again. All right, next one from uh, Semiam again on Twitter. Uh, It says, is the forward core as unbalanced as it looks? Do you think overall slotting gets better when Reichel is done marinating in the rock? Uh, haven't heard that term for Rockford. Love it though. Um, all right. Thanks for the question right now. Yes, absolutely. Ford core is as unbalanced as it looks. Huge part of that is injuries. You're missing Brandon Hagel, Tyler Johnson, and Mackenzie Ant whistle three mainstays among the forward core right now. Uh, so that is a very simple answer for that. Other than that, Jujar Kara should never be on a line with Jonathan Taves. Unfortunately, it's kind of out of necessity right now. Uh, and Jonathan Taves is one who has been known to carry some guys on his back uh, in the past that's essentially what he's doing with Jujar Kara uh, there on that second line. I cannot wait until they get him off there, uh, but that is also holding Johnny Taves back. So you're not seeing production from that second line, I guess, if you're considering uh, Debrinkit, Kane, and Doc, the first line. Um, you need more from Dylan Strom, Henrik Borgstrom, and even Mike Hardman, though. Um, th- that can help uh, make these forward lines look a little more balanced if you get uh, that occasional goal from Henrik Borgstrom in front of the net, from Mike Hardman just doing some dirty work uh, from Dylan Strom, uh, like he did against Arizona. But you need to see that more frequently, and you see him setting guys up a little bit more frequently. So um, that will help balance it out. As for Reichel, uh, still going to be a bit for him, in my opinion. I think they're going to let him play big minutes, all situations there. Uh, but he does present a better uh, skill set than uh, so many that are currently on the roster. And I need to warn, even when he does get to the NHL level, even after marinating in the rock, uh, it's going to take some acclimation time. But I do like the uh, thought in the future later on the season of letting Jonathan Taves carry him instead of a Jujar Kara. I think that would play better. So 
good question there. Uh, any thoughts on ba- a balance of the forward groups? Yeah, just uh, a quick thought, just echoing what you said, Johnny. I think the injuries need to really be harped on because Brandon Hagel and Mackenzie Antwistle, to me, are two young forwards that you're going to start to see that can be uh, kind of the, um, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example here. But, uh, you know, the the Brandon Sods, the Brian Bickles, the Troy Browers of old, the guys that can play up and down the lineup. And a big shout out to Troy Brower, just retired from the NHL, uh, longtime Blackhawk, among other things. But, uh, you know, those guys that can play up and down a lineup. Like, hey, one night they can play on the fourth line and make a difference down there, you know, kind of carrying a line offensively. Or like a guy like Mackenzie Entwistler, Brandon Hagel can move up and play on a second line with a guy like Jonathan Taves. So you, you need those guys in the lineup. And unfortunately, and even Tyler Johnson's a guy that can move up and down the lineup. And of course, those are the three guys that are hurt right now. And I really think that's what's hurting them uh, overall. More so the injuries. I think obviously getting more production from some of the other guys will be good, but the injuries definitely hurt. And yeah, let Reichel play. I agree with you there. 10 points in 10 games for him so far. Six goals, four assists. Just let him keep churning those points out. Uh, I'm sure we'll see him at some point, maybe in February or March. But uh, agree with you, Johnny. No need to rush him. Let him marinate in the rock. I love that term. Yeah. I hope we can keep that going. Semi M again. Thank you for that question. Uh, same uh, Twitter user coming back with a question. Ron, this one's for you. How much longer will Eric Gustafson be played? Your favorite topic, Ron. Will he be press boxed or waived to the AHL? thinking they have better options when Caleb Jones back with Caleb Jones coming back and Kelly Nuck on the way soon. Ron, take it away. Honestly, what team needs a defenseman and we'll take a Snickers bar for him at this point. Like that's I'm over Eric Gustafson. The fact he even returned to the team in the, in the first place is an atrocity. And that alone should have gotten Stan Bowman fired just from a hockey sense let alone everything else that happened on top of it. Why he has an obsession, why teams in general have an obsession with Eric Gustafson, why the fan base has an obsession with Eric Gustafson is beyond me. God forbid the guy put up one season with 50 points when the Hawks also let up like 100 more goals than anybody else in the NHL. And on top of it, his minus for the season looked worse than like the Chicago financials when they're $28.4 billion in debt. He is awful. They've sheltered him so terribly. And why waste 10 minutes and 15 seconds of ice time since King took over that he's been playing? Why even waste it? Just let Caleb Jones and Riley Stillman be your bottom pairing. And then when Kalyanuk's healthy, let him rotate in. Just to make you mad, Ron. That's why. I know. It must be. And honestly, at this point, like to to further answer the question and with the point, you know, press box or wave to the AHL, fuck both of them. Term his contract and send him to the moon. I don't ever want to see him in the Blackhawks organization ever again. What, he's what, he's what? doing a disservice in Rockford because he's taking away ice time from guys that need to develop, and he's doing a disservice sitting in the press box because he gets a free meal up there. Send him to the fucking moon. Let somebody else become his problem. I never want to see him in a Hawks uniform ever again. Ron, I, I love it. I think we need we do need to touch on what will happen, though. That's what we don't want to. Don't get me wrong, but at oh, the same yeah, time, injuries are still very much present. Think about it. We just talked about how many guys went out in the forward core. Well, guess what? You had Caleb Jones and White. Kelly Nuck in that spot to start this season. Uh, Caleb Jones is still just coming back, so it's still kind of early to go and completely launch Gustafson on that rocket to the moon. I'm totally with you. I'd love to see it, but at the same time, just realistically not going to happen. So I would go answer that question, press box initially, and then you make a decision after you know that you have guys that I think you need to the, the turning point in that will be, is Kelly Nuck ready? It, one of these guys to prove it. One of these guys below. Is Kelly Nuck, Mitchell, Bodine, are they ready? 
come in and step in and be that seventh defenseman that they need to be able to come in there. Because until then, unfortunately, I think Gus is eating free press box meals. It's unfortunate. But at least Caleb Jones will be backing in the lineup. So I think that'll be that'll be at least better for your for your eyeballs when you go and watch a game every other night. Absolutely. Because I I got the pleasure of being in attendance thanks to you, Johnny Nani, uh, for the preseason game when Caleb Jones looked sensational. He scored a goal, was making good defensive plays all over the ice, but then for the rest of the game was quiet in the good sense as a defenseman, where like, hey, if we don't see you, you're doing your job. So like I would rather see number 82 on the ice than number 56, especially when number 56 is only playing 10 minutes of ice time and he's sheltered more than like the kid that's afraid of zombies, but wants to watch the walking dead. Like you got to shelter his eyes when the zombies come on the screen. Like that's Gus with ice time. You have to shelter him for 85% of the game because he's just useless. So yeah, let him let him go eat the free yeah. lunch in the press you, box. But I, you, if I see him on the ice anymore for you, the Hawks, I'm going to cringe and cry. Want those specific figures since Kinger took over? As Ron mentioned, the 10-15 average: six twenty one versus Nashville, eight oh six versus Pittsburgh, thirteen fifty seven versus Arizona, twelve thirty seven versus Seattle. Um, obviously Arizona, Seattle, more bottom dwellers of standings. There, he's only getting those minutes uh, against those low level teams, and you see, obviously, against a Nashville, so just over five uh, in that below ten range, two below ten uh, against Pittsburgh. So at least I think that's a positive trend in my mind that uh, Derek King is not too fond of him either. So it's probably press box time for Augustus. And as soon as they know, Caleb Jones is ready to go. Tony. I'm not going to add much because I'm just going to make Ron mad. He likes to push my buttons, let's be honest. Yeah, and I, I'm just trying to think of things to say that are positive about Eric, Eric Gustafson right now just to make you mad. And I'm, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. It's too tempting. But I'm not going to do it. The man of... Man of resistance here. I don't, I don't want to make you super angry. Also, we'd be sitting here while you Google extensively looking for something positive. I started down that path. I started down that path like a minute ago, like trying to dig up like every positive stat about Eric Gustafson. It wasn't, I wasn't getting much traction, uh, but you know, (laughs) I'll, I'll, I might save it for later. All right. Uh, on to the next question. Uh, this is a fun one from our guy, Danny Schwartz at DR Schwa underscore 96 on Twitter. Who on the Blackhawks would be the most likely to win a squid game situation? I haven't watched the show. This one's up for you guys. I've watched a little bit of the show, uh, first episode and and maybe a half. Um, You know, Johnny, I see you left a note here of a very interesting name that I think would actually play very well in in some squid games. But, you know, I'm going to go with Jonathan Taves. is is who I'm going to go with. Jonathan Taves, Captain Serious. He would take it very seriously. He would follow the rules of the squid games and I'm going Jonathan tapes. Ron, you got anything there? Yeah. Like Johnny, I haven't watched, but I am at least familiar enough to, uh, to, to make a comment on this. Um, first off, hello to David. Uh, we see in the comments there and to our buddy beer garden, Jim. Uh, hello gentlemen. Um, I like your, your tapes, Johnny. I, we enjoyed yours. Um, don't know if you want to save it to, to share it yourself. I just said, Brandon Hagel, give me him in a survivor okay. situation. I yeah. think you'd do well in that. And, and I think a great pick. I think Taves is a great pick. You know, based on what we saw on Wednesday night, I'm going to have to go Alex Dabrinkit because he can fight. He's got finesse. You know, he can make the moves. He's quick. He's shifty. He's like a cat. You never know where he's going to be. In, in a, a do-or-die red light, green light game, he's going to do really well because with those soft paws, he's going to be able to stop on a dime. So I will take Alex Dabrinkit. Uh, is my squid game pick. Um, he's shown a lot. I, and, and, and plus that height's got to help too, right? Like 
the thing sees you less. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to go with Alex to bring it. Yeah, like I said, I have no like premise for the show. I've read like just like the very basic general, you know, when you go and scroll over something on Netflix and it gives you like the one sentence synopsis. That's about my extent of knowledge on Squid Game. I know um, behind the times of what's in, uh, you know, uh, hot and pop culture right now. But uh, I think those funny answers are our guy over at uh, ontapsportsnet.com, Danny Schwartz. He handles all that pop culture stuff. So I uh, like to interlace those there. Uh, it was a fun question to close out that section here. Getting back to a little bit more uh, kind of, uh, you know, significant Blackhawks topics here. We've got two more uh, before we wrap up with a preview of what's on tap next. Uh, let's talk Marion Hosa to the Hall of Fame. Tony, uh, we'll let you take this one away, but he's officially inducted last weekend, uh, played in a game for the first time in four years. And I have a note, too, uh, on some of the uh, photo ops that we got from Hosa. I'll save until after you're done. But, Tony, praise away. Demigod Marion Hosa. I mean, it's, this is the best because I love Marion Hosa, my favorite player of all time. Just, you know, just getting to the chance to see him inducted officially. I know last season we did 81 for 81 boys uh, at ONTAP Sportsnet. That was 81 beers in 24 hours uh, for Marion Hosa uh, getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. And obviously during COVID, there was no chance I'll add, for. I'll add one to that. Yeah, just add one to that. I'm drinking one right, right now, too. Um, but. You know, just getting to see him actually get his chance now after a whole year of waiting around to, you know, just have the official ceremony. Uh, you know, you saw him get his ring, uh, get on the ice for the first time in uh, what was it, four years. Uh, that's just it was just such a special moment. I think uh, as a Hawks fan, I'm kind of mad that there there was no televised option to watch him play. Uh, obviously we got a clip of him scoring a goal. I believe it was on a penalty shot. And I think if you can listen in on that one, you hear that it was actually for a hat trick for Marion Hosa in that legends game. Brent Seabrook was actually playing on the other team uh, in that game as well. So kind of cool there. I would have tuned into it if it was televised. I really honestly would have, uh, Hosa was uh, captained by Mike Madano. Uh, there was just some big names that were playing in this hockey game. And I think that, you know, NHL, and maybe this is a, a we're going to segue into this. Maybe this is a byproduct of a certain TV deal uh, because uh, I believe in years past, this game may have been televised or streamed uh, on various different platforms, but the Hall of Fame Legends classic game, uh, no option to watch it on TV. So I was scrolling Twitter the entire time, just trying to find highlights from this game. And I will say, Tony, I know you asked me uh, internally, but I did search my always totally legitimate, um, you know, uh, sources for uh, viewing hockey games around the world, various leagues. Uh, no option there. Either, no option. So I, was, I was disappointed. No option. I think that that's kind of a disservice to uh, to Marion Hosa a little bit. So I'm going to, you know, spew my hatred towards the Hockey Hall of Fame and, and Adidas for not being able to get that game into the hands of hockey consumers like myself, who probably actually I would have paid pay-per-view just to watch Marion Hosa take the ice one more time because that career just ended so shortly. Uh, and just, it, it, just, it, it's so sad, man. Like I, I just wanted to watch Marion Hosa play hockey uh, ever since the announcement came out that he was hanging him up and, you know, hearing, you know, just days before, I don't think there was a lot of press coverage that this game was even taking place. Um, you had to really go and search for it. And it's, that's kind of sad because you're not, you're probably not going to see Marion Hosa on the ice very much uh, in the near future or in the future at all. So if that was the last time he played, obviously he scored some goals or some, some footage of it, but uh, overall, again, the demigod, the, the greatest of all time, in my opinion, 
uh, as a hockey player. I know Wayne Gretzky is obviously the greatest, but nobody played the game like Marion Hossa did. Uh, he even made some comments about it. If you can't beat the best, you got to learn from them uh, and play a different way. And, and that's what Marion Hossa did. He was a joy to watch in a Blackhawks uniform, a huge part of all of those championships. And I mean, even before he came to the Hawks, he was in the Stanley cup finals two years in a row before that. Uh, this was a guy that just made an impact on hockey teams that I don't think many players uh, can make as large an impact as Marion Hossa did uh, for any of the teams that he played on, especially in the prime of his career. Obviously he still has it when he was on the ice against former NHL hall of famers. This guy's still skating out there, scoring goals uh, and, and making an impact on the ice. Obviously it's, it sucks. Who knows if things were different, if he'd still be uh, in uniform right now and where the where the Blackhawks would have been or, or some other team had he been traded. It's it's very sad. But uh, obviously, I'm just overjoyed that Marion Hossa is in the Hockey Hall of Fame. I'm, I'm a firm believer in retire 81 and no, never let anybody else wear that number. Um, just a joy to watch play hockey. And I'm going to probably watch Marion Hossa highlights again all night tonight after having this conversation with you boys. That's one of my favorite things to do. I have absolutely nothing to add to that because I don't think what Tony said can be topped. So uh, I will turn it over to yeah, you, Johnny. It, it, that was beautiful. I had a few points here. I'll start with a, a lighter one because my other two are proclamations that I need to get out to uh, close out Marion Hosa. But we all know he's a hockey icon for all those reasons Tony so eloquently just put there. Um, he's also a fashion icon. I don't know if you saw this. Look at this. Look at how dapper. This is also a reason. If you're listening in podcast form, this is why you need to go and subscribe to ONTAP Sportsnet on YouTube so you get the live version here. You can comment in like our guy, Beer Garden Jim uh, and David Bennett here. Uh, but you can see this stuff because we're on a live stream here on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, but look at look, look at Marion Hosa's get up there. Look at that suit. Look at that. Look at that pattern. That is that is, just, that's a good wish, suit. Like That's a that, good suit. That is in the, the pants to match. The, the tie combo is incredible. It matches even with the mask that they have to wear at the Hall of Fame yep. for that. Dude, it's elite it just, just like Hosa was. Elite, elite, elite mm-hmm. on the ice, elite off the ice, uh, elite in hockey, elite in fashion. I love it, Marion Hosa, demigod, uh, greatest Chicago sports free agent signing of all time, and absolutely Hosa forever. Yes, Hosa forever. All right. That wraps it up. Uh, congratulations to Marion Hosa and Doug Wilson, too. I know uh, we, do, we don't like to slight, you know, other Blackhawks guys here, but obviously Hosa, uh, the more recent, the more kind of prolific here, but Doug Wilson, other Blackhawks representatives. So it was cool to see those guys uh, in, in their kind of big, uh, you know, uh, banners outside the Hockey Hall of Fame. I was watching a uh, little bit of a lightning game over the weekend, and they had some coverage from the Hockey Hall of Fame at an intermission report. So I took a couple screen grabs. You can go look at Four Feathers Pod on Twitter and Instagram uh, if you want to see those screenshots uh, of that kind to get up that they had all set up for them at the Hockey Hall of Fame. So congratulations, Mary Noza, Doug Wilson, off Hall of, Hall of Fame. On to, Tony, something you alluded to, maybe a reason why this wasn't broadcast. I don't know if this directly impacted here, but uh, I'm going to go and start. And if this sounds a little extreme, it probably is because it's based on a format of something that is pretty extreme. But the Turner Sports deal and its consequences have been a disaster for quality hockey content delivery. I'll start that. That's my opening line. Uh, I think you guys all know the uh, line that that's referring to. Uh, very infamous. But overall, this is bullshit ESPN plus Hulu games. Blackhawks already got that treatment a couple times already. Um, and the announcers on there are bad themselves. Luckily, I was at the game, the most recent one against the Coyotes. But other than that, you can't find it on a local channel. It's like 
They say these are exclusive nationally televised, but you have to have ESPN Plus or Hulu. I don't care. Don't respond to me that it's only six or seven bucks a month or 70 bucks for the year or whatever. It's like, if it's in market here, it's home game for the Blackhawks. Why the hell isn't it on if it's not actually nationally televised? If it's on ESPN or TNT or whatever, that's fine. Well, see, like, you last, see, you last see, that's what... we flipped the TNT. That's fine. You can't just go and flip a channel on the regular cable and go and get it. <laughs> I understand they're going more towards streaming and stuff, but goddamn. Like, the, the fact that the thing that pisses me off the most is like we see this in baseball, right, Johnny? You got a nationally televised game, ESPN or whatever on some nights, and there's still a local option to watch the game. Yeah. This deal, when you took away the option for NBC, I think that what, where it's affecting the Blackhawks is, is that their RSN is NBC. So now all of a sudden, even when there's a, a nationally televised game, even in hockey, like you saw last year, if it was broadcast on, on NBC Sportsnet, sometimes you'd see the local option instead, and they would play a different game uh, in the national slot there. ESPN, they've not done anything to kind of combat that, and they're just throwing these games well, over to the streaming service that you'd have to pay extra for. We're already yeah. paying for the RSN fee uh, yeah. on this TV deal. When you saw the Cubs leave uh, NBC and go to Marquee, now all of a sudden, like the Hawks, which were a staple on, on you know the local RSN NBC, all these games were supposed to be available on the My Teams app, and you can't even do that now. So that's that's a problem. That's a huge problem. Yeah, and I will say you talk about NBC problems for us too. Um, Bally Sports, those networks they have those. Those are Fox division. They have those same issues too. I know uh, people were complaining about uh, in you know the game the Hawks played against Coyotes. There, there's no Bally feed option for that one either out in Arizona because that would be Bally Southwest that covers them. So issues across the board. Yeah, and it, it's been it's been upsetting too because uh, you know I'm glad that you put up this comment from uh, from Brad here about you know the the streaming announcers because the feed the it, the lack of chemistry amongst the announcers. You, you can tell they're all fresh to a, a box, like a, a press box. They they're all fresh to the sport. Yeah, like they, that's that's my that's where it gets me in the ass. Right. Sure. Might have been a little cardboard box, but at least those guys knew what they were talking about at NBC. Right, and 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 I'll, I'll I'll say this example being the the Arizona game, Johnny. You didn't get to hear it. Like I think Dominic Moore is a good color analyst. I really do. The problem was there was just no chemistry between him and Hextall. And, you know, and she was fine. She was good, but she was also very monotone. You could also, like you said, Johnny, tell she was very new to the sport because she sounded a little uncomfortable at times behind the microphone. And that, that just makes it hard to watch as a consumer. And like you guys said, if we're going to sit here and pay the extra $7.99, $8.99, $9.99, I know if you have the Disney Plus bundle, you get both of them, you know, and that's, I think, $13.99 a month. You know, if you're going to pay that, you at least want to get what you're paying for. And, you know, it really is unfortunate because it's starting to take away from these kind of regional, you know, channels that really has developed these fan bases within the cities, too. And I think that's something we're going to see as this ESPN Turner kind of split deal on the, you know, U.S. NHL TV rights continues to, to you know, chug along for the next seven years because, you know, do we start to see more, I guess, disparity amongst the, the, the United States as a whole in terms of fandom? You know, there isn't going to be the big, you know, the Hawks dominate the Chicago land market and, you know, the, you know, this team dominates this market and so on and so forth. And, you know, it's just so far, guys, I don't turn off Hawks games very often, even when they're losing. I turned off that Arizona game and they were winning 
because I couldn't handle it being on ESPN Plus. That's how bad it was. I've got I've got some yeah, stuff to okay. add to that. I've got some stuff to add to that, Ron. Okay. And this is just over overarching in all sports. Okay. I I think it's it's absolute normally ninety nine percent of the time trash when you have a national broadcast outside of football. Outside to throw football to the wayside. There, you even talk about the White Sox in the playoffs this year. Um, you know, watching some of these games that you know you, you got Stone and Benetti all year long, and all of a sudden, then you flip to guys that have no fucking clue about the team, haven't followed the you team. You mean Ronnie Gonzalez isn't the starting second baseman? Ronnie Gonzalez is not the starting second baseman for the White Sox, and this is a problem everywhere. It's a problem everywhere, and you got you got national media outlets writing about things. That, that make no sense. We saw it with Bleacher Report the other day. And that's a that's a national problem with sports, right? Like there are people who are absolutely tuned in to what's going on with that team. And that starts with your broadcast crew from your from your local TV provider down to people like us who are on podcasts talking about this team in depth multiple times. Uh, 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 like even once a week right now, I know we haven't done some post game shows, but like even on the Sox side and Ron on the Cubs side, there are, there are a ton of people who then go tune into these national broadcasts because it's more widely available. And I think it's an absolute disservice to fans of the sport. And it's an absolute disservice to trying to get people to be diehard fans at the same level that we are bought into these teams because you're getting generic information, monotone announcing, incorrect fact statements left and right about what's actually happening with that team. And it's just terrible. It it drives me absolutely nuts. I think it's something that's wrong with sports in general across the board, because you're just throwing on air talent who has no idea what the inner workings of the Blackhawks are on ESPN plus when I think it would even be more beneficial for fucking us to call the goddamn game so that we can actually tell people what's going on. The solution to this is very simple. You bring the local broadcast team on for the Bingo. nationally televised game you do two announcing things and then on the espn app you pick and choose which team you want to want to listen to if it's national you give the, the the fans the opportunity to listen to both the home broadcast and the away broadcast the people who are are, are on contract to make that money to call the team can then still call the game and you've got multiple feeds that's it. That's that's the solution. Stop bringing in fucking national announcers all the time to call these sports. It's somebody's job to follow this team, be informed about it, and call these games. That's it. That's it right there. Make the deals between your RSN and your, your nationally televised teams. Use the feeds. Use the same people who work these games. That, that's your solution. Nobody's going to want to do it because there's – I mean, it's their company. It's their money. But – this is a huge problem with sports, just in general. I'm sorry I had to rant yeah. on no, that. I, it's fucking hey, Tony, I, I love that. And we're getting we're getting into the it really grinds our gears here in four five. This is why I even added this segment here because we, we were we've talked about this in text in person, guys. Uh, I'm gonna go even further here, uh, just further piling on ESPN here. No games on ESPN. Go to ESPN the channel or ESPN two. No NHL games between opening week and after the new year. That's how much they care about hockey. But there's NBA games on every other night. There's Mac fucking Mac football that ever, you know, Mac shit. Yeah. Okay. What you you love that because some podcaster told you that it was, you know, the best thing since sliced bread watching terrible college football on a Wednesday night. I'd rather watch an NHL game. 
I'd, I'd rather watch two of the top teams go at it when you got Vegas and Carolina playing that night. Like, come on. Why then, even make the deal if that's and, what you're going to exa- fucking do? Exactly. So they do that, and then you get your weekly night. You know, uh, maybe you get a, a, a double uh, bill on a Wednesday night, but that's on TNT. So at least they're having a weekly thing there. But ESPN, nothing between them. And I understand they have contracts with college basketball and college football but and all these other things. Who but made that there's deal? A pl- who exactly. made that deal? It's, the, I really hope going forward they can rectify some of these issues uh, in the early going of the season because you can get a taste for who's good and who's not. And then maybe you'll be a little bit more informed when the playoffs roll around uh, if you knew how they're performing early on in the season. So uh, th- that's my last thing on ESPN there. Well, let's go over to Bleacher Report here. I need to pile on these guys too. Um, absolute bullshit. Bleacher Report feeds for NHL teams right now, guys. Uh, no news. It's just clickbait bullshit, Tony, like you were talking about. People that write nationally, they have no clue what's going on in the day in, day out of these teams. Uh, they don't know the ins and outs. Uh, the BR Open Ice uh, social media accounts at NHL on TNT, they're just going for the laugh. They're going for the clout chasing, cringe posting, uh, only have the spectacular highlight here and there. Dude, NBC, NHL and NBC, I love their Twitter feed. Every time a goal is scored, boom. Like, 30 seconds later, that video's up. You know who scored. They said who scored. They said who got the assist. It was, you know, whatever. It might not get the flashy caption with the dumb emoji at the end, like fucking, you know, BR and all these, you know, NBA and NFL accounts have made that go so wildly viral popular. You're not going to get that same with NHL. Give the people what they want. Hockey fans are straightforward. We just fucking want the information. We want it there, and then we can share it as we see fit. Give it to us. You're not even giving that to us. I don't need a bullshit clickbait article about who needs to be traded. And it's just Dylan Strome because he's getting scratched every other game here. Um, even there might be some sort of legitimacy in there. You're missing some errors in between here. And you're not letting actual news come through there. Uh, yeah, the perfect example. Do you guys want to see an article about Caleb Jones being activated from long-term injured reserve? Tyler Johnson going on there? Or do you need to see Reese Johnson's uh, highlights from his 10-hit game against Arizona still clogged up at the top of the feed from Friday night, even though it's next Wednesday. This is my question. I would rather know what's actually happening with my team. That's just me personally. Uh, and, and Reese Johnson doesn't really, you know, move the needle a little bit. And you know what? What's and interesting. The thing is they're, they're auto generated because you have a Dominic Kubelik six hits game. And those are the highlights that stick in there. And then other than that, you just have a social media feed that you have to do the expand, see more. And they pick and choose which ones they want in there. And it's yep. absolute bullshit because then you don't before you had articles that came through before the steal happened, the mm-hmm. articles that came through. So you knew if you scrolled through that, you know what was going on in the team there, but now you don't even get anything integrated. So, well, guys, I, I, I do want to tell the people that are listening how they can solve that problem. They can follow us over at ontapsportsnet.com and they'll get their actual coverage of the Chicago Blackhawks and their favorite Chicago sports team. So I think that's worth noting as well, because if they're going to do the disservice and, and give the trash product, Um, You know, for truly the people that don't care enough, then go to the people that are going to give you the quality product, just like we will here at Ontap Sports. That's that's a very good point there, Ron. That's That's a very good point. I'm, you know, and I'm not trying to sit here like even, you know, and and get into the nitty gritty of of Bleacher Report. And, you know, our our articles are featured on there uh, for other teams uh, and that that kind of impact that it had on Ontap Sportsnet when they made that deal. Not even going to get into that shit. I'm just for the pure hockey fan, like that's from the NHL wide. I think Johnny is what hockey you're hitting. Fans at. Don't want dumbed down content. No, no, we don't. I, we like fighting. We like uh, goal scoring. We like uh, you know insane deeps, and and we like the news of what's going on with our team. It can and all we, be there. Doesn't it can just all be there. Be that it can all be there. There, there right? was no reason to get rid of 
some of the extra information that was there. In fact, it would further enhance, uh, you know, the coverage of the sport, which is what we're here to do at, at ONTAP Sports, not number one and, and Four Feathers Podcast. We're here to give you guys the information um, that you need to be a fan of your team. And we're going to provide our opinions. Some of them might suck. You might not in, in, agree with something that we have to say. That's fine. We're not trying to claim to be experts on anything. But overall, like we're tuned into the team. I think that that's something that we can all say. We're tuned into the team. We know what's going on. We've got guys that are doing that for multiple sports teams throughout Chicago and, and, and even farther than that. When you see a subpar product out there, we're going to call it out uh, because it's affecting our experience as sports fans. Right, guys? Like, I, th- I think right. that's and, what I'm trying to get to. And I, I, I just I need to come back. I got all hot and bothered there, uh, you know, just because it's stuff that grinds my gears. I said we we're getting into this segment, so to forgive me for getting a little bit hot-headed here. But at the end of the day, what? This deal, this streaming deal, and I know there's still it's still early on in it. There's still years to rectify some of these issues, but we're pointing them out as we see them here. But the end goal of this, right, is to ex- in- increase hockey's exposure. Obviously, increased revenue is number one. It's all about the money at the end of the day. So if we really wanted to sum this all down, the reason they did it and they don't give a shit about the quality of it right now is because it's all about the money and none of this shit matters that we're talking well, about. That's that's but, gonna be a, that's gonna be a problem for them long term, man. A, a residual thing here then is you know it's supposed to increase the exposure. It's supposed to oh you can flip on ESPN and you'll see hockey for the first time in X amount of years. Um, you know th- this kind of stuff. Well, a you're not getting it right now. I know they will have some uh, slate lined up for later in the season, but it's like you get it. All, all the time you get all season round coverage of NBA, you get all season round coverage of NFL on these. It's like hockey just kind of came in and oh, well, we have it, so we're going to do it for the first week and then we're going to drop it until after the new year when maybe things start heating up a little bit. There, um, I think that's bad overall for if you're if that's your goal, if that was one of the goals of this deal, uh, to grow exposure to the game. Uh, not as many people are seeing it. Uh, I don't know if anybody is going to seek out uh, the ESPN Plus broadcast of Blackhawks versus Coyotes when uh. You know, you, you could probably have multiple NBA games on that. I know the Bulls and uh, Warriors played that night. I understand Blackhawks, Coyotes, that was kind of a central division, bottom dweller matchup there. But hey, what if someone's not as dialed into teams like this as we are and they're just searching for what? And they think, oh, hockey's kind of entertaining and cool and fast. Well, they don't even have the option to see that because basketball is just what's on there. And you don't even have an option for the hockey unless you have the uh, extra, you know, add in there. So. I, I want to show you guys how much Bleacher Report really cares about NHL real quick. And we're going to try something here. We don't normally do this, but uh, let's see. Let's see if this works. We're going to try and uh, add this to the stream here. Uh, this is this is Bleacher Report, who's got an exclusive deal with the NHL, as we see the uh, uh, the, the football all over everything. Uh, not Nothing, nothing NHL, nothing NHL. If we come up here and we look, I don't even see the NHL on their on their front tab, guys. Like we've got AEW and college football before oh, a, NHL. A scripted sport. And now you life. have to wow. go down and NHL is listed underneath the WNBA. You cannot even get to a team stream from their website anymore. You just get a generic NHL feed. That's it. That's how much Bleacher Report cares about the NHL right now. Have you guys noticed this on on their web platform? Yeah, oh yeah, on the on the web version. Yeah, you get you can get to a team specific one if you add it as your favorite on the uh, mobile view. But like I said, you won't get much content there unless you're looking for Reese Johnson's ten hit night. Sorry, I just had I had to break into that because it's it's absolutely bothersome. It's lunacy. 
it's it's bothersome to me that that's the kind of NHL coverage you're going to get when this organization signed an exclusive deal to share these highlights. Sorry, I had to bring this up. Well, and it's, and it's just, there's it's another bad. reason to follow us on the on the YouTube or Facebook so you can see this shit um, instead of just listening in the podcast version. So, well, in addition to right, just to sum up what you guys said too, it's just bad business. Like when when that deal comes up, the NHL is not going to want to re-sign with Bleacher Report because they're not doing the coverage justice. They'll go find somebody else, like on Tab Sportsnet, who might provide that. I'm not even. Coverage. I'm not getting into that, Ron, because you know what? It's going to come down to the dollar, which is why you saw some of this go sideways in the first fucking place. Absolutely, the almighty dollar. Will, I, that's will why I want to know who signed just, these deals. Was this I, was this Bettman? Yeah, and I, I mean, I he had wanna, to have his his name on this at some point. And uh, yeah, I I just I just wanted to go back that there were a lot of people ragging uh, NBC for their in studio talent and all of this. And sure, it's like funny that Biz, the goofy guy, is on the TNT intermission show. And yeah, don't get me wrong, I laugh at that every once in a while. And sure, that might be a little bit better than you know whatever. But the overall. That you got to think of content delivery not just on a broadcast. It's how available are those broadcasts? How frequent do they happen? Uh, how is the social media kind of? How is the news accessibility there? And Tony, as you just showed, it's not very accessible when you're going team specific uh, in their exclusive partner uh, over there on BR. So, um, in summary, the Turner Sports deal and its consequences have been a disaster for quality hockey content delivery. I'll leave it there. Let's look at what's on tap next for our Blackhawks, gentlemen. Uh, Saturday, 11.20, 9 p.m., NBC Sports Chicago, Edmonton Oilers, Dreisaitl, McDavid, Debrinkit, Kane. Let's fucking go. Saturday night showdown, 9 o'clock, prime drinking hours. We'll be all over this one, Tony. Yes, we are, Johnny. We are absolutely going to be all over this one. You and I love the the late nights. It's even better if it's on a Saturday um, you know, I, I'll take a Saturday 9 p.m. start over one of those great six o'clock starts any day of the week. Um, that's just that's that's prime time hockey for me. So I'm excited about that one. Uh, I think the Hawks are going to continue their winning streak out there against Connor McDavid. I think we're going to see some more uh, Alex to break it uh, magic, so to speak, in this game coming up here. Yeah. In addition to Caleb Jones goes back to Edmonton for the first time since trade and uh, oh, yeah, and maybe a certain guy named Duncan Keith uh, is playing against his uh, – yep. the only franchise he's ever known prior to this season. So that's that's going to be a hell of a matchup on Saturday. I want to watch – I want to watch Patrick Kane just deke Duncan Keith just out of his skates. Yeah, good luck. I've watched the old man a little bit, guys. Uh, I'd love to say that he's lost a step. Actually, I don't know if I'd love to say that or not, but for our purposes and playing him, I'd love to say that. But um, – He's not being ridden as much as he had to be while he was in Chicago. And I think that's doing him some good uh, in terms of his numbers, in terms of his usage, uh, in terms of his output. Uh, he's also scored a goal, at least I know, at least one. I uh, had a couple apples there, too. So, uh, you know, we've got to look out for DK. Uh, he's a stealthy one on the back end, he, even in his older age, man. Uh, we know that he's basically uh, a robot when it comes to lung capacity and all that. So moving on from Saturday night, it'll be a back-to-back -back, uh, first time in a while playing one of these uh, at Vancouver. Uh, Canucks Saturday night, or excuse me, Sunday night. Uh, November 21st, 7 p.m. Central Time, NBC Sports Chicago Plus. The Bulls are on the main channel, so make sure you get to that plus channel on NBC Sports Chicago for the Vancouver game. After that, Tuesday at Calgary, that's November 23rd, 8 p.m. Central Time uh, on NBC Sports Chicago. That will round out that Western road swing that they have. Uh, and we may be back uh, before this uh, next one that we're about to talk about. We may not be, um, but Friday, day after Thanksgiving, uh, November 26th, 
versus St. Louis. This is a schedule change. Originally scheduled for noon on national TV, uh, that is no more. It is now at 2.30 p.m. Central Time. ESPN Plus and Hulu only. Goes back to what we just talked about with all this ESPN bullshit. Um, but that game got moved. There's a schedule change. You can go and find that news at ontapsportset.com, but not via Bleacher Report. So it ain't there. Um, but yeah, th- th- that rounds out the what's on tap next. We may be back before that next one, guys, there. But uh, over this next slate of game, how do you think the Blackhawks will fare? Uh, I think the Blackhawks will fare pretty well. I, I think Vancouver is in a little bit of shambles right now. They're not playing terribly well. Obviously, Edmonton's very good. I think that's going to be a very good matchup, very entertaining matchup, and a good test, I think, for the Hawks as well. Um, you know, and, and to follow that up, even with Calgary, I know Markstrom has played sensational, so we might see a really good goalie duel uh, in that game if Fleury ends up getting the start, which I would expect, especially if he starts on Saturday, and I would expect to see Lankin and then on Sunday against Vancouver. Um, so that'll be good. And then for the uh, ESPN Hulu only game, I'll tell you what, guys, you know what I would rather do than watch on ESPN Plus and Hulu? I'd rather be there live, and I'm probably going to use our friends over at the Seats to do just that. Uh, next Friday. So that'll be me. Uh, rather than watching the terrible broadcast, I'll just be there in person instead of taking it with my own two eyes. Yeah, Ron, that's a good idea because I think uh, between us, we could get that $100 uh, thing up there and get the uh, code uh, use on tap. Use that. Orders use over $100, uh, $10 off. So, yeah. Bert drinks in the building. Bert, Bert drinks in the building. Buzz on tap. Buzz on tap. Our, our, our resident Bulls expert. Resident Bulls expert, Bert Drink in the building. Uh, you know what, guys? I think that over the next stretch of games, you're going to see the Blackhawks definitely rattle off, what, another four or five wins in a row. We can't let this streak stop. We can't let this streak stop. I want to continue to go streaking with you guys. So, yeah. um, you know, that's, I, I it, there's only positive I, right now. There's only positive. It's a, a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. And I think Derek King wants to rock and roll because that would be some king shit. Yeah, that would be some absolute king shit. I could see, obviously, it's easy to see some hiccups. I mean, if Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid go off. But at the same time, I was watching the other night, and Winnipeg just outworked them through two periods. They're up like 4 nothing. I mean, they could barely generate a fucking shot on net. So that could also be the case if the Blackhawks get the boys buzzing early in that one. So um, you never know. Um, I feel like, uh, guys, I don't know why. I feel like Calgary could be kind of a trap. Uh, last game of the road trip, going home for Thanksgiving here. Uh, and Matthew Kachuk is a massive dick. Um, he's very good at what he does, but he's a massive dick and he's someone that I think could very easily get the Blackhawks off their game, uh, on multiple lines. So that's what I'm looking for. Ron, you mentioned Jacob Markstrom in net for them as well. So, um, I could see some positive play here for the next two, and then maybe a little bit of a goose egg around out the road trip. But uh, at the same time, these guys are humans. They also want to get home, uh, set up with the families for the Thanksgiving holiday. So um, that's about all I got, but I, I'm with them in Tony's vein. Let's go. Another fucking four game win streak here. Uh, King shit. Uh, we'll be back at some point uh, next week or early the following week after Thanksgiving. If we don't uh, before that, uh, we're thankful for all of you four feathers listeners. Thank you for tuning in uh, to these shows. Make sure you go and subscribe and on tap sports nuts, YouTube page. So you can go and see our beautiful faces as we do this live. Um, and other than that, you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts too. So, Final thoughts so we can close down, boys. I I have no final thoughts. I will echo what you said, Johnny. Thankful to all those that listen to Four Feathers. Thankful for you guys and everybody here at ONTAP Sportsnet um, as that holiday approaches. And uh, just excited for more Blackhawks hockey as the season chugs along. Uh, we need more king shit in our lives, and we, we certainly hope to see that in this uh, conclusion of the road trip here over the weekend uh, and into the Thanksgiving American Thanksgiving holiday, in case we have Canadian listeners, or the American Thanksgiving holiday uh, coming up next week. 
It's awesome. Uh, you know, I actually dug up a video today of uh, Buzz uh, trying to get some uh, Toronto Blue Jays fans to say, let's go White Sox at a White Sox game just a couple of years ago. I found an excellent video of that. I know Buzz is in here right now. Uh, I'm glad that you reached out to our, our Canadian friends who maybe tuned in here. But for anybody who's tuned in here, this is awesome. I, I thank you for for tuning in. Um, you know, I think, Johnny, if uh, if the Blackhawks rattle off like four more in a row and King shit continues, we should all do the show next time in crowns. Yes. 1,000%. We will I'm all on, do the- I'm on board with it. My next game won't be until after this next stretch that we just talked about, at least the ones that I have in my ticket plan. So if, the, if they're rattling that off, I think I may just have to um, wear it to the UC next time too. Yeah. We, we, we can get okay. some some Derek King crowns. Maybe we can go go to uh, the Burger King, order some kids' meals. I don't know if they still do that. Get the crowns. Yeah, we, dude. We'll get we Derek need the, King's face superimposed on the, in, on the top place, right there. In place of jewels, we need the feathers from the logo. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We'll see what we can do. The Derek King printable crown. Maybe we can get that up on Ontap Sportsnet, let people print the crown so they could, you know, wrap it around their head, go to the UC and some, I, some Derek King crowns. I, I hear some early Christmas gifts uh, is what I just yeah heard, uh, via some some four feather crowns uh, and you've piqued my interest now I'm I'm excited for a a crown that I can wear to the United Center at some point this year and no it is not for a bachelor party or anything like when people typically wear crowns out in public no, we're just enjoying we are some king wearing, shit we're, we're just enjoying some king shit king shit right on top of the crown <laughs> yes Absolutely. start the trend crowns at the UC king shit. I like it. I love it, Tony. Um, That's a great final thought to go out on here. Uh, Yeah, just finish strong. It's going to be a tough test coming up here. So Blackhawks uh, need to uh, get out fast and, uh, you know, kind of get comfortable if you do get a lead, like Patty Kane was talking about and we discussed much earlier in this episode. So that'll do it for Season 3, Episode 7 of Four Feathers Podcast. This one was called Writing the Ship. We thank all of our listeners for tuning in. Per usual, you know where to find us on tapsportsnet.com. Go there for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Give us a follow on social media at Four Feathers Pod and at OnTap Sportsnet. If you enjoy the podcast, give us a five star rating because, as our guy Buzz in here says, that's cool and tough. We're also with Vivid Seats now. So if you're looking to get out to the UC at any point this season, make sure you go into Vivid Seats and on your order over $100, you can use the promo code ONTAP, all one word, to get $10 off your order. That's promo code ONTAP. $10 off an order over $100. Gentlemen, that does it for the show. We've blown a lot of hot air. Great topics discussed tonight. Till next time, let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks, baby. Let's go Hawks.